Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Ben Fitzgerald. All right. Well, we're going to get into praying for the sick straight away, but I want to thank the band first. These guys are amazing. Week in, week out, they worship the Lord. Do you know... Do you know, there's, there's one uh, disadvantage of being on the worship team. You've got to be here at like 7 a.m. for sound check. There's one major advantage. You miss all the tithes and offerings. So that's a good advantage. Um, so it's cheaper. If you want to join the worship band, life's cheaper. I'm just kidding. Guys, we're going to go after praying for the sick for a minute because in the first service we did, and it was really profound. The Lord really healed a few people. And um, I'm just making sure that clock is right, though. I'm not sure about that clock, Alex. Okay, it says 12 minutes to go till the end of the service. Is that right? Okay. 42. I just changed. Praise God. Awesome. You shall call a thing and it shall be established for you. All right. I declare one hour and 42. No, I'm kidding. All right. Well, who would give me five more minutes over 42? Who would give me five? Okay. 10, 15, 20, 25. Good. I'm just kidding. This morning, we're going to go after healing the sick first before I get into the message. But uh, this morning, we called out a few words of knowledge. I want to call out two of them again. Uh, we, I said there's a person here, and there was a woman on the, the right side with chronic migraines, very bad migraines, and I said it caused her to be dizzy at times, and she was there. She was just on the right, and uh, we prayed for her. We went after that thing, but I knew when we called this out, it's a spirit, and I believe there's other people here with that same thing. So if you have chronic migraines, and sometimes it causes you dizziness and issues with your ability to, to function... We want to pray for you because the Word of God says, and if you're a Christian or not a Christian in this room, you're about to see the power of God move. The Word of God says God is our deliverer, and He's mighty to heal, mighty to save, and Jesus does not give you a pet demon to try and make you a better Christian. Now, if you, if you want the theology for that, just quickly flip it on yourself and think about this. Would you give your child a bit of cancer to teach them a lesson? No, you wouldn't, would you? So dare we ever put that on God, Okay. But the enemy, what he does is the enemy oppresses us, and sometimes we give him space. But sometimes it's as simple as oppression, just oppression. We have no idea where it came from, no reason it's there, which means it's illegal, which means we can get rid of it. We we have the name of Jesus, the instant disposal business, okay? So we're going to dispose of those lies today. There's also someone here, I believe you had surgery in the neck area a few years ago, or somewhere in the neck, or the bones at the top of the spine, or something to do with your neck, and there was some surgery or something. You still have problems in your neck, and God wants to heal you this morning. Maybe there was something that was fused inside your neck. Uh, There's also a man here, you have terrible pain in the shoulder, you can't lift your shoulder properly, you've always had, it's been years and years, you can't remember the last time you didn't have that pain. There was also a word of knowledge we called out this morning about women who are having bleeding, internal bleeding issues and not knowing what it is. And God wants to heal you. God is a healer. If you're not from church and you don't know why you're here this morning, seriously, I'd encourage you, put your hand up and just see what happens. Worst case scenario, people ring psychic hotlines and say, tell me where my granddad is, but then they're worried about someone praying for them for healing. Don't worry about that stuff. Just open your heart to God. He can heal you this morning if you have sickness. So if you have any of those things, I'll just ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything else I can see. If you have any of those things, someone here too with a scar underneath your knee, God wants to heal you this morning. I just saw a picture of that scar under the knee. Uh, There's someone here, you're having problems with your kidneys. They're, They're talking about dialysis for you. The Lord wants to heal you as well. If you have any of the problems I just shared, stand up. Any of them. Okay, several. Yep, there's many people. Good, good. 
don't be embarrassed, remember, sickness is not a, it's not a sin issue necessarily. So, all right, anybody else? I feel like there might be one or two more. Anybody else? Something to do with the neck? Who is the one with the neck? Thanks, God. That's you. Okay, great. Okay. All right, guys, church, you know what to do. And again, if you're, put your hand up. I'm sorry to do this to you. If, if you're in this room and you're not really a Christian yet, or someone brought you, I don't want to embarrass you. No one's going to look around. I just want to see where you are. are you, is there anybody in here who's not really a Christian? Like, yeah, whatever. I'm just visiting for the first time. Anybody here like that? Okay. G'day, mate. Good. And you're one of the ones that had something? Your shoulder. Okay, wonderful. All right, so what these guys are going to do, what we're trained to do, is pray that God would fix your shoulder. So we're going to go after that. So don't just, uh, if anyone comes to these guys who are not yet Christian, don't really know what's going on, just be nice to the fella. So, uh, but yeah, we're going to do that. Church, you know what to do with everybody else. Go to them. But before you do, I just want to encourage you with something. When we pray, God rebuked me recently. He said, Ben, you're praying prayers because you think I want to hear you say those words. He said, I want you to pray and expect me to heal them. God, we're not going, God, we thank you for healing. We declare healing. We, we bless them. And God's like, thank you. That's great. Thank you so much. He doesn't need our words. What the Lord needs us to do is be on the same determined mission that he's on, which is to help people. So when you put your hands on them, sickness is under your authority, okay? When you put your hands on these people, you command it to leave. And we're expecting of a miracle. Otherwise, what's the point of prayer, honestly? We may as well just give them a hug and say, we can't do anything. We hug you. We love you. But we can do something. Jesus gave us authority. So go to the people, guys. You know what to do. We're going to take a couple of minutes to pray. Let's do it. Thanks, God. And thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thanks, Lord. There's one more person here that has eye damage, damage in one of your eyes. God just showed me that last word of knowledge I'm going to call out. Anybody else? You have eye problem, an eye problem in one of your eyes, just one particular not in two, it's in one eye. Yeah, it's you. Okay, would you stand up, Dal? Guys, around her, you know what to do? Let's pray for this wonderful lady. Thank you, Jesus. All right, church, pray like you're at the football. Don't pray, <laughs> Don't pray whispers. You command that sickness to get out of their life or damage to the, the shoulder, damage to the spine. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Thanks, God. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Very good. And for the rest of you guys, you can just pray and just sit and just receive from God. Maybe you're in your seat and you're like, actually, I do need a healing. Just put your place, your hand on the affected area of your body while you're sitting there and just say, Jesus, heal me today. I want healing today. Thank you, Lord. Keep praying, guys. Remember, you can pray out loud. <laughs> We're being very polite and very quiet. I like that. That's good. We should try and adopt that more often. <laughs> Feel free. Command that to leave. Get off their lives in Jesus' name. of sleep. We break it right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the anointing. Okay, now ask them to check it out. 
Just take another 20 seconds, ask them, check it out. Say, how does it feel? Move your shoulder, move your leg, your back, whatever it might have been. Just ask them to have a look. In the first service, we saw about four or five people instantly healed. So ask them to check. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if there's a measurable difference, even if it's 50% better, 30% better, just put your hand up. If it's even 30% better, if God is healing at some level, uh, okay, there's a woman here, put her hand up, that's wonderful. Praise God, this man down here, this lady over here, fantastic. Come on, thank you, Jesus, that's amazing. All right, anybody else? Some of the internal bleeding stuff, we can't really check. But let's pray one more time, guys. Just another 10 seconds. In the name of Jesus, we command this sickness to leave. Sickness is no fun. <laughs> it's terrible. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, let's go ahead and give them a hug and be seated. Give them a cuddle. I think these, these guys are excited about something. Her eyesight's coming back. Really? Yeah. She had dark, so she had darkness in the right eye. She couldn't see the green light, the blue light here. Can you see it now? Can you put your, can you put your hand over your left eye completely? And can you see me right now? You can. Can you see that light still? Could you see that before? Partly. But can you see it a lot better now? Fantastic. Praise you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name, Jesus. And yes. Yes. He had pain in the neck. After a few, just praying very quickly, it went to zero. Pain's gone. Praise God. Guys, come on. That's amazing. <laughs> I want to find out at the end of the service how our friend's shoulder's doing, because I want to have a go at praying for him as well. So at the end, I want him to come up and see me, your shoulder. I want to pray for you as well. I want to find out how it's doing. So um, we'll do that. Guys, I am on a mission to get the church 50 times more excited when God moves than when, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. When I watch people at the TV, right, or at a game, when I watch them and the football moves and a man springs with his little knees that God made out of the, off the, into the sky, off the ground and takes a ball, people nearly, it's like their whole soul comes alive. And then when God does a healing like giving sight back, oh, good job, God, you know. Come on! I'm on a goal. It's, it's, we need to be way more excited about Jesus. Way more. We love you, Jesus. We're, you're amazing, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, but Ben, it doesn't carry the same kind of adrenaline. Yeah, tell that to the blind person. It carries a lot of adrenaline when all your neck pain that you couldn't sleep with for 10 years is gone. Now, I'm on a mission for that. That's just a separate mission to my sermon this morning. But uh, I'm not into loud Christianity. I don't care for the loud or hype. 
What I care for is us being so thankful and so awed by God. I love in heaven, it says the angels, they they cast their crowns and the elders over and over and over. And then they look up and there's a new side of God. Wow! And they go down again. And then they look up and there's a new side of God. And they have even the, the angels with the six wings, two of them cover their feet, two of them cover their eyes, and the other two worship. They're always in awe of who God is. Our responsibility in life is to be in awe of God. Never lose the childlike wonder of the Lord. I can tell you right now, if God heals a headache, give Him all the glory and praise. You know why? Because it's in in the position where we're, we're thankful, we receive more. Thankfulness creates a posture toward testimony and receiving from, from the Lord. It's just the way it is. Like, I love Reinhard Bonnke. One time he said something uh, when he was a little kid. He goes, uh, he goes, I saw my brother Peter. You know, he talks like that. He goes, I saw my brother Peter with some chocolates, some candies. And he goes, I was angry. I didn't have any candies. And then he said, I got a revelation from God. Go I will go to the source of the candies. And he goes, the source was my mother. And he, and he said, and he said, he goes, rather than be upset about what you don't have yet, he said, just go to the source. Just be thankful for someone else's miracle. Be thankful. Praise God that you healed her neck. Praise God that you healed that bad eye. And I tell you right now, it postures you to receive. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, Man, I could just hit that bang out of the park. I could, I could touch this one subject for probably about 15 hours in a sermon. That's not my message this morning. But I'd like to. Gee, I can feel it. I just, I, just <laughs> I, need, I need to stay focused. I need to stay focused. But let me tell you something, okay? Oh, okay, okay. I'll do one more rabbit trail, then I'll shoot the rabbit, and we'll go back. Um, <laughs> people say, well, I'm going through a hard time. People say, oh, well, you know, God, he's not talking to me. People tell me I'm offended at God. Let me tell you something now. We live in such a blessed time. There is more, in the body of Christ, there is more tools, more ability for us to know God, get free, get whole, get taught, get teaching, get worship. We're like big babies sometimes. We ought to be so, so thankful for everything God does. We ought to wake up in the morning and purposely smile at God. You know, I don't know if you're married, but if you wake up next to your wife and she looks at you like this, or you wake up next to your husband, he's like, you know, and he's always, everything sucks to your husband. He's not the kind of guy that you want to wake up next to. Because before he's even gotten out of bed, the day sucks. Okay? Sometimes we're like that with God. Everything sucks in my life. And uh, this relationship and this and that. We need to remember the breath we're taking is a gift. The brain we have to think about God and the rest of our life is a gift. The body that you're living in this tent is a gift. Someone today is waking up and they haven't had water for five days. And you can just go to the tap. It's a gift. We ought to be so thankful. When the Lord moves, we should be the most thankful people on the earth. God does not like stubbornness and independence in our thought where we don't care about how God sees things and we don't care about all that he's given us. I tell you right now, we should be the most celebratory people of the blessings we've received. Not arrogant blessings, not going, I'm so blessed. You know, you're not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being happy because we have God. I mean, come on, man. Like, I I have a very good car, okay? It's called a BMW. It's a very good car. I call it Blessed Motor Wheels. It's very good. It goes fast. I live in Germany. I go in the Autobahn. I can do 220 kilometers an hour. I can tell you right now, it's amazing. When you're, in, when you're driving that fast, it changes your prayer language. You get all new tongues and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I nearly died. I had Daniel in the car with me once. We had Daniel in the car, and he was like, he, his head was like this. And he goes, and he was behind me. He goes, Benny, Benny, Benny. And I looked, and there's a truck coming into our lane. 
and the truck was going 60 kilometers. Not good, right? So bang, and we skidded everywhere and everything. I've had two near misses, and uh, the Lord's protected me, praise God. And actually, they have fewer accidents in Germany on that autobahn than they do here. I don't know why, but I think I do. But the thing that I, I do is I sit in that car and go, wow, what a car. It just roars down the highway. It's amazing. And then when I get home, I realize it's a piece of plastic. Who cares? I have God. If someone said, I want to take your car, good, you can have it. If someone said, oh, you know, you're going to lose your house, Ben. Of course we pray. Of course we say, God, we don't want to lose the house. And God's an amazing father. He provides for every single person alive. He's an amazing dad. But you are not a house. Your life is not a concrete brick. I don't put all my eggs in the basket of this world. My basket is God. So if we see God move, if God does the smallest of things, if God is kind to you, if someone gives you a prophetic word, well, that doesn't bear witness in my spirit. I don't like that word. Just shut up for a second and just receive. And just say, thank you, God. Thank you that you care enough about me to talk to me. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. Oh, my goodness. I sometimes, I, I feel like sometimes we, listen, we should be the most thankful people on earth. But sometimes church is like a current affair episode. It's like such stupid stuff we get worked up over instead of working ourselves into thankfulness. When you work your conscience, your attitude, and your mind into a place of thankfulness, you begin to posture yourself for a relationship with God that is very fruitful. Now, let me tell you something. You don't have to be thankful. You get to if you want to be upset. My grandfather just died seven days ago, and I'm still waking up today. Thank you for the mercy. It's hard death. It's not easy. But death is a veil. The flesh passes, the spirit does not. We, it says, Paul said, out of all people ought to be the most hopeful instead of the most hopeless. Sadly, when I travel around the world, sometimes in church, it seems like we're very hopeless. I think what happens is we become internal. We become navel-gazing people and get internal in our own church and everything's about our little community and group and we become internal and we forget to look up. Guys, be thankful. Be thankful for life. Be thankful for breath. Be thankful that Jesus has given you the opportunity. Don't live by your checkbook, balance your, your bank card. Don't live twisted and potted and everything else by the world. I'm sorry, this is not my subject this morning, but I just feel to hit this for some reason. I am just feel to. Maybe the first service I didn't, maybe they're the Christians who are thankful. I don't know, you guys aren't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, don't worry, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about some other church in Melbourne, you know. I'm talking about other Christians. This is not to you. I can't stand when preachers say, I'm not talking about us. It's like, well, then why are you saying it to us? <laughs> Guys, I know life can be hard, but life can also be Jesus. Life can be difficult. I understand. Life can be tough, but life can also be thankful. I had a scare in my stomach recently, in my lower area of my stomach, and it really got me scared. I had this terrible pain. I mean, bad for days. Really bad. I went to Dresden, Germany. I flew there. I preached there, and it was bad, man. I mean, it was not good. Something was definitely off, and, uh, and it was going long and long and long. And anyway, it was actually happening. Bad pain for days, the actual pain there for months. But then for days, it just got in intensely bad, and I could feel something down here. I'm like, that is not good. That isn't good. I'm not feeling good about this, God. And fear tried to come into me, and the Lord put back in my heart, thank me, God the healer. I'm God. You, you have breath in your lungs. Even if there was a little thing down there, I'm bigger than that. Thank me. Worship me. Look at what you have, not what you don't. Give thanks for all you've got, not what you haven't. 
Listen, I'm 37, I don't have a wife. The enemy can discourage me at times and go, you're not going to get a wife, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I have to sit there and consciously go, God, even if I don't have a wife, I have God. Now, I'm sorry, some of you have made your wife and your husband, well, my husband's like God to me. No, he's not. Live with him a little longer, you'll see he's not. (laughs) We need to be thankful. We need to appreciate life. So often people get caught up in the dumbest stuff. They get caught up in the stupidest little thing and they're hammed up on one little thing. Well, this person texts me and they weren't kind to me and, and this person said this and that about me. It's like, grow up. Seriously, we're supposed to represent Jesus. Sometimes all we represent is church on Sunday and stupid on Monday. It's a spirit of stupid. I'm telling you right now, I've, I've fallen for it for sure. <clears throat> and I'm gradually getting delivered. But we should be thankful, shouldn't we? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I had four coffees. <clears throat> oh, man. Don't be too happy. Things are hard. Yep. Things are hard. Things are hard. Things are tough. You know the amazing thing about God? If you have a problem in your marriage, God is compassionate. If you have a problem with your work, things in your workplace, God is a caring father. He says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. God doesn't look at you and go, you know what? There's Christians in Afghanistan who are in prison, but you only have this problem. God looks at all the problems. God's a good father. He can father every single individual well, but he can't father an orphan attitude that complains about life. All he can do with that is kill it. So you have a choice. You keep it, or it's going to get crucified somewhere down the line. You can choose. You can say, God, I'm done with not being thankful, and I'm done with holding the smallest of sins against everybody when you've forgiven me of the greatest of transgressions. Oh, my goodness. We see it all the time. It shouldn't, be in our, it shouldn't be in church. We should be the most forgiving people in the world. People should look at us and go, why are you so happy? And we should say, because of God. And people should say, but I just found out this happened to you. And, and you're like, yeah, but still, God is with us. My grandfather died last week, and I'm happy this, this week. It was rough, had a hard time, but I'm still happy because my grandfather's death doesn't kill God. It doesn't stop the joy of the Lord. You might be going through suffering and God comforts people in their suffering. He's comforted me and my family this week a lot. But we're not sitting there unthankful or blaming God. God is always good. He's given us everything. My my goodness, I mean, if we grew up right now in somewhere in northern Iraq under ISIS, if we grew up there, imagine that kind of fear of waking up. You know, this lady told a friend of mine, she's like, she didn't know where her son went, you know, and it turns out they'd done all sorts of stuff to him gone. David Hogan mentioned that he was in Mexico, and he said, it doesn't matter what theology you have in Mexico. He said he's had little women, little Mexican women, short little bitty women come up to him with tears in their faces. They don't want to know your doctrine of this, that, and your three points and your Bible college degree. They don't want to know that. You know, sometimes we put so much pride in what we can accomplish and what we think we've got to offer everybody. But they ask him, they say, David, David, will my son's Go to heaven if they trusted in God. And he says, yes, sweetheart. 
If they trusted in God, they'll go to heaven. And the woman, praise the Lord, praise God, because her six children were cut up in pieces and dropped at her doorstep by the mafia. You know, what kind of life do you have? I'm sorry for this is just such a side topic. Alex was in the first service. I didn't preach on this, but I don't know why. I just follow the Holy Spirit sometimes like that. You need to be thankful for your life. Thank God for what you do have, not what you don't. Praise Him in what you don't have. Give Him praise because He's a God who provides. But we can't have a baby. God still sees you. He knows how to make a baby. God knows how to fix things. But don't put God in the question mark section. Don't judge God and give him, make Him give account for what's not yet in your life and not yet fulfilled. Don't put God in that scenario. It's not the Lord. It's like when people say, well, God made that person sick. No. If you can find me a scripture, of course, yes, the Lord can inflict sickness. Let's say it's a wicked king like uh, Herod was, and an angel stabbed him and killed him. But Herod was a wicked king, okay? And God made a judgment after a long, long time. But God doesn't just go around, you know what I'll do today? I'll be in a bad mood and I'll just destroy people's lives. Now, that's the devil. We need to get one theology very straight and be very thankful for it. Devil, very bad. God, very good. Okay? Life with the devil, very bad. Life with God, very good. Things in the world, very bad. Torment, trials, confusion. Things in God, even if you face a trial, God's with me. You know, David and all these Old Testament prophets put their hope in the Lord. It's the number one thing written in the Bible. It's one of the most uh, things you see the most. Put your trust in God. Put your hope in God. Do not fear. God is here. It's one of the biggest things that we're responsible to do. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you are feeling like you've been abandoned. Some of you are feeling like you've gone through a trial and you don't know what's going on. You heard the last song. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. No point singing it if you're not going to believe it. No point praying, God help me, if you've got a little wedge in the back of your mind, God never helps me. Don't put God on the trial of your mind. Put him in court for something you're not seeing yet. Give him praise. Give him honor. But Ben, I've struggled. I've got chains around me for years. Not God's fault, probably yours. God's probably wept, wept over you for years more than you have. I remember when I was a porn addict as a Christian. God, I saw Jesus himself. I saw him. In my, in my mom and dad, they're right here, in their kitchen... I saw the Lord Jesus. He appeared to me in a vision. I didn't see him with my eyes, but I saw him right in front of me, and he had his hands like this, just, just above his face, started weeping. He started weeping. You know why? Because in that time, I was choosing to sin. Choosing to sin. Imagine if I had gone, why are you weeping? Why aren't you helping me? He was weeping because he cares about me more than I care about me. He loves you. He knows what you're going through. Wake up and be thankful. Don't wake up depraved and start to, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have this, I don't have that. The chasings of this world and the pleasures of this life will leave you at an empty road, I promise you. Oh, but I want to make more money. That doesn't help you when you're in a car accident, does it? Oh, but I'm going to be an amazing actor. Tell that to Superman who became crippled after one horse accident. Tell that to Robin Williams, funniest man on the whole earth. Everyone laughs around him. He goes home. He doesn't, he hates himself. He committed suicide. I'm just telling you, what we pursue, it better be, God, I thank you. God, I'm in love with you. What a joy it is. I thought about this the other day in my car. I thought, God, I cannot believe, but I can. I don't want to say I cannot to you. I want to have faith. But how is it that you would even choose me? I said, thank you, God. 
What a broken mess you chose. What a person of problems you chose. What a heavy load you chose to take the garbage truck of my life and throw it in your hands. What a big responsibility you took on when you took me on. What a choice you made. Oh, but I lived always good, Ben, before God. No, you didn't. Your thoughts of doubt, unbelief, murder, anger, bitterness, jealousy, lust, all those things are against the ways of God. And he still was like, still love you. Still here. Not leaving. God is the last one to leave. God will be the last one. If there's a thousand people in your life and 999th person turns his back on you, Jesus will still be standing right there. We ought to be so thankful. Life is a gift. I learned that this week. Last Sunday, I was here with Alex, Dan, and Chels, and I was worshiping the Lord as we were here, and the phone rang, and Dylan had started preaching, and I received a call. My brother was calling over and over and over again. I texted him, Sam, I'm in service. My grandfather had passed away while we were worshiping in the middle of the worship set. I was actually really thankful. Afterwards, I thought about it. I was like, I'm thankful that he passed away, and the thing I was doing in the moment he passed away was thanking God. Good memory to have. We went down there, my mom and dad and sister here, we went down there, and uh, we tried to get him back, we didn't get him back. We tried so hard to get him back from the dead. You realize, two weeks ago, he was talking coherently, and you realize he just fell off the edge like that. He just left. I thought about, you know, the way we enter eternity, and that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. I only have 40 minutes left, but I can slam that right in there. I want to talk to you about eternity in the heart of every person. It's in everyone's heart. My grandpa, he was a very, uh, he's a good man, studious man, not good as in good, like doesn't sin, bad, all of us have sinned, but he was a nice guy, you know, and he, he was integrous to somewhat, some degree, I guess on the outside, and, and he, was a, he had a good marriage, married for a long time, over 50 years, didn't cheat on his wife, none of that stuff, you know, but he didn't believe in God at all, he thought he knew, he thought his brain, which is about that big, knew all the expanse of the universe, he was convinced. My grandmother got born again. She was a champion tennis player. He was really good as well. She got born again, and he was just completely resistant for years and years and years. His daughter's here, my mother. She can tell you. He was a distant father. He was married. He was a nice father, but he was married to sport. He wasn't married to God. He wasn't married to intimacy. He didn't have real deep relationship yet. But what happened was, last year, my mother's been praying for him for how many years? I don't know. And my grandma, over 55 years, I'd say. And last year, I got on my face before my grandpa because I realized, you know what? His life, he's 94. Who knows when he'd go? Who knows when his time is up? And I know that on the edge of that veil, when people pass through, they don't just go into the grave and just rot. They're not just flesh. By the way, if you think in this room you're just flesh, you've got to answer yourself this question. Where does love come from? Why is it that I met military veterans in America and they have literally half their body blown off, but all their personality is even more fully intact and they're more outgoing and more outspoken? Why do they have such a strong personality even though half of their biology is missing? Why isn't half of their person gone? The person is the man of the inward man, the inside. It's the thing you feel love from. It's the thing you feel hate from. It's the reason why you can sense there's someone behind you when they're 10 feet away. You have a spirit. You have a soul. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes 11, God has written eternity in the heart of every person. You have a silver cord that connects you with eternal things. You can shut it down. Sin begins to blind you from it, but it's there. It is there. I can tell you right now, Danny Clancy, she works in the, the palliative care unit in the hospital. She does all that stuff. She told me hundreds of people, hard as they can be, million bucks in the bank, had a great life, great career, great everything else. On their deathbed, they grip her hand. I'm scared. Why are they scared? 
if you're just going into the ground and nothing else happens, why are you scared? The wealthiest man in Australia at the time, Kerry Packer, who owned Crown Casino, he said when they resuscitated him, shocked him back, he said, oh, everyone talks about this eternity thing, but all I saw was blackness when I was there. What did he see? He saw something. He was alone. In this world, he had all the riches, all the money in the bank, his security around him, everything's his little own kingdom. But when he passed through that veil, he was by himself, left to the darkness of his sin. The same thing with my grandpa. I got on my knees last year and I said, Grandpa, I said, Pop, look at me. I said, Pop, we love you. I said, I'm going to heaven. I said, why don't you give your life to God? I said, look at your daughter, Jenny. I said, she's going to heaven. Look at your, your wife, Barbara. She's going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I said, we want to go there with you. We don't want you to miss out. We want you to be there with us. And he got gruff with me, he got angry. He's never done this to me before. He goes, stop it, stop. And he got angry. And dad was there too, I think. And, and, and dad, I said, he's going to heaven. We're all going there. We don't want to be separate from you. Do you want to be separate from us? I didn't know how deep it was going into him at the time. But many, many years of prayer chip away at the old pride of man. Let me tell you something about the pride of man. People go, oh, we're not prideful. We're very amazing. Look, we invented Google. We invented the iPhone. We can FaceTime. We can invent bullet trains. that go 5,000 miles an hour, whatever. Okay, you can invent that. You can't invent a bullet train that gets you away from the grave. Your iPhone, you can't make a FaceTime call from 10 feet underground. You're gone. You can't stop death. But Jesus did. I said to him, I said, would you please receive God? What do you got to lose? You're 94. You're not, you're not going on TV making a public announcement about it. You won't even have to be ashamed. You are 94. He got angry at me. Stop talking like that. He goes, I don't need you. Don't push, like, push me like this. And I said, absolutely I will. I said, this may be the last time I ever see you. And it was. It actually was. He said, don't. If you're going to keep talking like this, you can leave. I said, Papa, I love you. I had tears in my eyes. He told my mom about a month ago, ever since Ben spoke to me, couldn't get it out of his head. He goes, I start talking to God now. He started to believe. He even went to church. He wouldn't darken the hallway of a church if you gave him a thousand bucks and a free racehorse because <laughs> he loved the races. He wouldn't darken the hallway of a church. But he did last week, last month, sorry. And I was here worshiping the Lord. We went down there to try and get him back from the dead. We couldn't. But we prayed. We attended my grandfather's funeral on Friday. And it's a sobering thing to realize you have it, it's gone. It's a sobering thing to remember my hero, Keith Green, 28 years of age, who in his little, tiny little Cessna plane on their Texas farm, who goes up in the plane and the pilot just couldn't get the lift to lift enough in, the, in the, the plane because they'd put a couple of kids on and apparently they overloaded the weight slightly and he tried to lift and he just hit the top of the tree and all of them died instantly. It's a sobering thing. But eternity is in the heart of men. The question isn't whether eternity will happen. It will. The question is where will it happen? The question is what is your eternal life? Sometimes even Christians, they go to church, we get accused of being hypocrites. You know why that is? Because people sometimes see a different Jesus in us. They see that unthankful side. They see that bitter side, the gossip side. They see the stupid stuff that Christians do too, and we give people a bad name. Jesus never gives himself a bad name. If anyone saw him, they'd be like, he is amazing 24-7, Monday, Tuesday, he's amazing again on Thursday. He's amazing all the time. All the disciples in the New Testament, they had strong integrity. 
I didn't, of course, people make mistakes. But I was saying to the first service, I was in Germany recently, and I was there, and a woman came up, can you please prophesy of me? I said, well, I can check the mail. I don't have a word now, but I'll check. I prayed, and I got some kind of a word about relationships. She goes, thank you, thank you. That's all I needed. And she go, I said, well, what does it mean to you? She goes, well, I, I was waiting for a confirmation to divorce my husband. I said, I said, no, uh-uh. I said, that's not what that word meant. She goes, well, I've already got another man anyway that I'm sleeping with. I said, excuse me. She said, and I said, how old are you? She said, I'm mid-60s. I said, what do you do here? She goes, I'm the lead intercessor here. Yeah. Now, for you who are not Christians in the crowd, not everyone's like this. Trust me. This is a rare case. I'm not saying everyone, you're looking around church, I knew these dudes are weird, you know. No, it's not like that. But I said, where's your husband? She said, he's here in church as well. I said, you're kidding us. Get him. You've never seen me like this. I was angry. But it wasn't anger from me. It was authority from God. I said, sweetheart, hello, husband. I said, you know, you know, your wife wants to leave you. And he goes, I want to leave her too. I have a woman on the side. I said, okay. I said, let me tell you something very clearly. The steps and the decisions you're making now are putting a footprint in eternity. And I am not sure that when you go to the judgment seat of God and give an account for your life that you would even go to heaven. And she was like, the woman's like, what? I said, no, no, listen to me. I said, the decisions you're making now are setting you up for eternity. Your decision here is being mirrored there. Eternity and this realm are not separate. They're not separate. We don't go there one day and now, now it's eternity. Jesus said to the disciples, then I go to prepare a place for you. People have had experiences where they've died, left their body, the paddles have shocked them back and they've been in heaven. We know about the man who was stung in, uh, in uh, Indonesia or wherever it was with a box jellyfish. What did he say? He said, I saw heaven. They zapped him back. He had a toe tag on him. He'd been dead for over a day. He was clinically proven dead. Dead, 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 dead. Not like, oh, maybe he wasn't dead. No, he was dead. Doctors understand the difference. One day dead. He was in that body thing in that, where they put them in the freezer when he woke up. My friend, uh, he's a cardiovascular surgeon in the United States. He prayed for a man. God said, shock him one more time. He'd been dead over 30 minutes. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in God at all. He died in a car accident, had a very bad like heart attack or something. In the car accident, they couldn't get him back. He'd been pronounced dead for over 30 minutes. They said, oh, you, know, you have to leave him, Dr. Crandall, uh, Dr. Chansey Crandall. He's a world-famous cardiovascular surgeon. I mean, it cost hundreds of thousands just to even have him in your, to, to do the surgery. And he's that good. And, and he, he felt in his heart, he's like, okay, and God was impressing on him. Shock him back again. He said, I'll do it one more time. And he made sure there's no one there, and he's a bit embarrassed. And he did it, and the guy came back from the dead. And the guy came back like this, though, <gasps> screaming. He was in hell. His sins, he was, now God didn't choose hell for him. He chose it. His sins were following, making a path for his future to follow. And every human being's future is the same. It's eternity. You can't escape it. Eternity is every choice you make right now. Eternity is your choices right now, day to day. And so they prayed for this guy. Uh, sorry, th these two. I prayed for these two, and I said, listen to me. You need to leave your husband, leave your girlfriend, sorry, leave your boyfriend right now. And, and the woman, as I'm talking, begins to shake like this. <laughs> Like shake, and then she fell. She, we had a fold-back speaker. She fell on the fold-back speaker, and she said, God, help me. I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, a demon just came screaming out of her, 65 years old, spirit of lust, came screaming out of her body. I said, get out in Jesus' name. Then the man, he started to feel this fear, and I said, it's good you're feeling that fear because God is not a God of games. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You think that those people, 
You think the people who are taking like five-year-old kids as, as sex slaves and everything, and you think people are beheading, you think Jesus is like, no, it's okay. If you, you know, you're, just, you're a nice person the rest of the week. You think so? No, you don't think so. We want justice for everybody else, but sometimes we don't look in our own heart. We want justice. It's not right what those people do. It's not right what you've done sometimes. It's not right with this married couple. Oh, it's their choice. It is their choice to destroy each other and destroy other people in the, in the process. Anyway, God forgave them. God's mercy is remarkable. They repented together. They came together. We prayed for them as a team. They hugged each other. So I'm so sorry. The Spirit of the Lord began to rejoin them. And you know what happens? Their testimony, their traumatic, troubling, dirty choice becomes a trophy of God's grace. It becomes something that God in eternity can say, I forgave you for. But some of you in this room are the same. You're living in darkness. Maybe you do or don't even believe in God. And you're like, no, I'm good. I know what I got made. I got my life. I've got my business. I've got everything. Yeah, you do now. But one day we're going to lose it. What hope can we have in eternity? What sure hope can we have? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, even though he perishes, he will live. I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone perishes, if he believes in me, he will live. Why? Because this spirit will transcend the mortal flesh of your body. As I said, you can feel things behind you. It's not because there's chemicals dancing in your brain. And someone said to me, oh, well, you get depressed when you're older because it's a bunch of chemicals that go wrong and, you know, your brain doesn't release. And I'm like, well, how come that six-year-old kid is happy? They have the exact same amount of chemicals in their brain producing every day. What's the difference? Did you hit your head 50 times and destroy the chemicals? No. Did they drip out of your ear when you were sleeping every night? No. What happened to you? What happened was sin. Sin, grief, life, all the things you go through affect the way you think. They affect the way your heart is. They affect your lack of peace. And if you turn to Jesus, you receive it back. You receive true peace. You receive life. That people don't turn to God. And my grandpa, 55 years he resisted. Until the last minute. <laughs> and God's a God of the last minute. Oh, that's good to know, Ben. I'm going to go sin for the next 20 years. And then at the last minute. Now, it's different now. You have the knowledge now. It's different. Uh-oh. It's different. As my nephew says, uh-oh. When you have the knowledge of sin and you continue in it, all you have waiting for you is judgment. But when you have the knowledge of sin and you go, I'm done with this stupid stuff. And then you've got Jesus like this. Everyone else has left you, but he's like this. Every other sin has caught you up. It's found you out. It's tired and fettered your, fettered your life. It's chained you to, to, to nothingness, to emptiness. You run around, you try this, you try that, and nothing fulfills you anymore. I have a big house, but it's empty because I'm empty. It's the way of the world. But when you turn to Jesus, he goes, have a look at these holes. Have a look through here. Look at this pierced body that I was pierced for, for your life. And he says, why don't you choose me for eternity? Because the second you make that decision, your eternity becomes sealed. And when you enter Jesus, Satan can't enter that door. When you enter Christ, it's a door that locks from the outside. So he can be on the outside trying to get back in, the only thing is it's locked from the inside, sorry, from the outside, but the door's open from the inside. The only person that can lose your salvation or give up the freedom and the peace and everything you have is when you start to jiggle that door again and look outside back into your old world and decide to cheat on your husband again. That woman could do that if she wanted to. It'd be the stupidest thing in the world though, wouldn't it? In Christ, everything's secure. 
Eternity is in your heart and the security of it is in your heart. Without Jesus, without forgiveness, without his eternal life, everything is shaky. My grandpa only realized that at the last minute when he began to pray and he began to talk to God. I said to the Lord, I don't want anybody else to be in jeopardy. I bowled my eyes out this week. Alex, bro, I was crying like crazy. I didn't even show my family. I went and walked away because I was in hysterical weeping over his life for two reasons. One, I missed him. But you know what I found I was weeping over more? Did he make it God? Did he make it God? You know when people are lost out to sea, their family, my daughter was on that, that boat and no one ever found the boat. And there's a constant hope when they go to the ocean. Maybe they're still out there. You want security. You want to know. I can't know for sure. I can't say 100% for my grandpa. But this morning, you can say 100% for you, and I can say the same for you. If you would simply ask Jesus to come into your life, and even if you're a Christian, you'd say, God, I'm done with protecting this little area of darkness and this secret relationship and this secret covenant I have with sin and this secret, secret, secret rubbish. And you'd say, Jesus, I'm done. We all make mistakes. We all sin against God. But God is ever merciful. And if you're alive and you're breathing, it means mercy can still jump straight into your breath. But if you're dead, it's too late. The things you do now are a pathway for eternity. And I want every person in this room to be sure that they have everlasting life. And to be sure that when they stand before God in that day, because today could be my last sermon ever to you. You might never hear from me again. I, might be, I could go home today. Some weird thing happens. It's not going to because I'm under the blood of Jesus. But for those who are not, I'll tell you one last thing and I'll finish because I'm one minute over. I always go over. I think I have one thing I need to fully repent of. Every sermon I go over. I have, I have a, I have a uh, testimony that is bad in heaven with time. I, I, I live in Germany too and it's even worse there. It sucks. I live on the border of Switzerland. It's where the Swiss watch came from. So I have more accountability for my sins. But, but Pastor Alex said to keep going. I've been with people on their deathbed. They're different. They're not asking you, can you take my credit card and go to the bank and check my bank balance? They're thinking different. Sad that it takes that long sometimes. I don't want you to have a testimony in heaven that you resisted God, you rebelled against your Father. I want you to have a clean slate. And I want you to think about this. If you don't believe in God, why are you here today? Who gave you the breath? Who made the universe or the Big Bang? Well, who made the Big Bang? Who made all of this? Isn't your life more than a couple of chemicals? No, it's just chemicals. Okay, so how come those chemicals feel such intense love for your daughter when you pick your daughter up? Is it just a bunch of chemicals going, turn left chemical, chuck this chemical in there, go B, B squared plus chemical, jump in now and love my daughter? It's a bunch of rubbish. You don't lose the love you have no matter what you go through for children. And the reason for that is that eternity, as it says in Ecclesiastes 11, is in the heart of man. The question is, is your eternity sealed? It doesn't say eternity in heaven is in your heart. It says eternity is. My question to you today is, which one are you going to? Is it hell or is it heaven? And if you're a Christian, what is your testimony on the judgment seat of Christ going to be? Oh, no, God, I protected my porn addiction and my affair. 
you're opening the door, friend. You're looking out instead of in to your future. You're looking backwards to hell. This morning, Jesus wants to set you free. And I'd encourage you not to wait and not to believe in pride and not to trust in your own mind. And if you want scientific proof for all the stuff I'm saying, we can talk about that. That's fine. But I tell you one thing, the proof is in this. The proof is in that every human being lives, is born, lives, and then they die. And the proof is that every Christian and every person that's passed the veil that has been shocked back has seen only two realities. They see heaven or they see hell. They've proven that scientifically. Today, I want you to be sure that you're in heaven. That you know that you know that you know that your sins are blotted out, even if you're a Christian. Would everybody close their eyes, please? I don't want anybody to open their eyes at this moment, please. I just want you to close them just for a second. Just think about this one thing. If you died today, what would your record be like? I'm a good guy. What about all the porn? What about all the hatred in your heart? What about all the gossip? What would your record be like when you stand next to Jesus, the person of perfect love and kindness? You know what Jesus wants? As you're looking down at your record, he wants to take it out of your hand and rip it up and stomp it under his feet and bury it in his blood in the ground and say, that record is gone now. I'm giving you my record. (laughs) I'm giving you my testimony, my cleanness, my new life. I will seal your eternity and I'll forgive your sins. As you're sitting there, I'm going to pray a simple prayer, but you've got to be real with God. Remember how I said I was a Christian with a porn addiction? You've got to be real with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I ask you, because you are good, because you are mercy, because we have so much to be thankful for, because you died in our place, and because you've chosen to reveal that to us, I pray that every person in this room that is not right with you would drop their pride and respond. And would you knock, Holy Spirit, on the door of many people's heart right now that they would choose you, Jesus. If you know that I'm talking to you, I want you without any fear of human opinion. And you want to be right with Jesus and you want to make sure that you have him forever and that you're his and he is yours. I want you to put up your hand if that is you right now. Don't worry about any human opinion. Don't worry about what, no one's looking at you. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.